Hello, my name is Robbie Ventura, and I am your host here at the Velocity Cycling Podcast, where our one goal is to get you to fast faster. There is no one way to have great cycling performance. What works for some of us may not work for others. We really want to expose you to some of the greatest minds in sports performance. And hopefully, we can try to figure out what works best for you to meet your goals and to meet your genetic potential. We're going to do one job and we're going to try to do it the best we can. And that is get you to fast, faster. Hello and welcome to the Velocity Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Ventura, and our goal is to get you to fast, faster. I'm here with legendary Ironman triathlete, Meredith Kessler, to talk a little bit about training, a little bit about the importance of intensity, but also talk about her experience in the Velocity Studios earlier this week. Now, Meredith Kessler was a collegiate field hockey player and track star for Syracuse. Her first Ironman was in 2000. She's done 60 full Ironmans. That's a lot of Ironmans and a lot of experience. And out of those, she's won 11 of them. That's insane. 11 iron, full Ironman wins, 21 half Ironman victories, which is absolutely insane. She is a mother, a wife, um, and she wrote a book. I mean, what's, tell me about the book a little bit. The author, The Life of a Triathlete. We can kind of get into that a little bit, Meredith, but thank you so much for being on our podcast. I'm so excited to learn from you today and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. I am delighted to be here. So thank you. And if you can believe it, I I actually wish I could tell you I've done 75 full Ironmans, but I've actually just done 70. So probably I, hit, I hit up from 60, but still. And Aaron always reminds me, because in our fault, we I think we have 21 uh, half Ironman wins around the you know internet. And if you can believe it, it's three. I didn't count the two that we won when Mac was uh, five months old, my, our son. So yeah, you want an Ironman when your son was five months old? Uh, two of them, but not a full, a half. I did race a full Ironman when he was four months old, and that was an experience for sure. Do you understand how upset you just made like a large portion of the population that's going to listen to this? I mean, everybody understands how difficult it is not only to just to lose the baby weight, but just to get your hormones back online, yeah. to get exercising again, to be feeling good. I mean, we all understand or I, I mean, men don't understand, but I feel like from knowing my wife, I have four kids, exactly. the challenge of coming back after you've had a kid, that's just, that's a mind blow for me. No. And you know, what's hilarious about all of that is that my, uh, that year, the, the first year of Max life, I think I raced four Ironman. And the first one I did when he was four months was the best of those four. And here's why is because at four months, he was like newer and I wasn't like motherhood accumulated <laughs> by the time he was nine months and 10 months, the, the nursing, the lack of sleep, it, it caught up with me. And so it, it's funny to think about, wow. And, and by the way, I had Mac via emergency C-section. So to race a full Ironman, I, I, I wasn't sure at four months, like how it would go. And if you look at the four that year of the, of the full Ironmans they did, because I did plenty of halves and those were fine. That first Ironman I did when he was four months was the best one. Motherhood hadn't fully accumulated yet. <laughs> and I'd have to check my, my, my sources here. I probably want to get um, Dr. Sprouse or Dr. Alan Lim, uh, one of the, the, the doctors that are affiliated with Velocity who know a lot more than me about this. But there is some sort of research, I think, on hormones that get released yeah. during pregnancy and, and, and post-pregnancy. And maybe there was a window there where 
your hormone production was higher than it normally is. I don't know for for sure on that. Oh, but, yeah, it's called um, baby. It's free babe, free legal baby doping, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and and it wears off, and that's what I think happened. I still had it at like, uh, you know, I did that at four months. Oh, and I raced. By the way, I raced a week. Uh, so I raced a full Ironman, had a respectable race four month with a four month old. A week later raced a half Ironman one week later in St. George, one of the hardest courses. Now I knew my, my half, uh, half marathon run fitness wasn't there, but I was first off the bike <laughs> and I went from first to, I think I got fifth, but it was a huge race. And it, it's funny to think about that. I still had what we just discussed, the baby doping hormones. And then a month later, that's when I won two half Ironman. So I think it's like six, the happy sweet spot is six months. It's cause you know, and then it starts to go downhill. <laughs> well, I, I, just, I can't believe you could get the training volume in the nine or 12 months prior to these events to have the yeah. fitness. I can understand the hormones are up. Maybe your stress levels just decrease because the baby kind of is out yeah. and it's healthy. Yeah. But the absolute like CTL, the training volume necessary to win these things, unless you're a hyper talent, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the impressive part to me. Like you couldn't have been training during the last three months of your pregnancy, a ton. It's, it's mm-hmm. physically impossible. I went back and looked just, I was, you know, you, you probably, and I've said this in velocity classes I've taught, I've went back. I'm not a person that look, I look at data in the moment and I seldom go back, but I've had on training peaks. I have my training for the past 20 years on it. And I randomly was thinking about it recently. I went back to look at, at my training. I ran, I did run up to about 35, six weeks. And then it just didn't feel like it was like kosher anymore, but I swam probably, I, I trained 20 to 23 hours a week of the other stuff of I, I running got supplemented by stair stepper because that was a good one. It was less evasive on my pelvis. Right. And the cycling didn't hurt. I never rode outside. I didn't ride outside my entire pregnancy. Um, if I were to get pregnant again, I, I would literally be on velocity every day, you know, that all that good stuff. And then uh, I swam a lot. I mean, I probably swam 30 some K a week. That was my chi. And as I got bigger and bigger in the belly, that felt the best. But um, was it easier to float? Say that again. Was it easier to float? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You felt like a million bucks. As soon as you're emerged in water, it felt like a million bucks. But what I was going to tell you is that the reason, yeah, I wasn't doing, it was all aerobic training. And because my body, the way I've trained for 20 years has to do with a lot more, um, efficiency, intensity, more than volume. And we can talk a little bit about that. I also had 70 Ironmans of muscle memory, 65, I guess at the time, whatever, um, that I didn't, I knew I could go into an Ironman distance and finish it. It might not feel that great, which it it didn't, um, but I could get through it. And intensity does that a lot for me. Obviously, as you know, a lot of cyclists, a lot of triathletes think they need to pound the pavement for 40 plus hours a week. And that's never been our thing. Our brand has always been like balance. And uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. if If I could physically go out and train 30 plus hours a week, I just think I would then become fit and tired and not fit and ready to race. Terrific. I love it. Um, is is there some tips like that in that book, Life of a Triathlete? Can you just tell a little bit yeah, more yeah. about why you wrote that and kind of some of the some of the like the, the pearls yeah. of wisdom that, that people can 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 understand? Oh, absolutely. 
You know what I was finding? And and I spent nine years as an age grouper um, working full time. And, and so I know how to relate to those humans that are trying to balance it all. They're trying to balance a job, family, a life. Oh, and then the sport of triathlon. And I was finding because I was an age grouper for nine years and then I went pro and then had, had the luxury of then leaving my jobs and being pro full time. I got asked a lot of questions and I was getting asked the same questions over and over again. And I I said to my husband, Aaron, I was like, gosh, there's a lot of, I mean, these are all the same. And of course I'd go back to old emails and I'd cut and paste and doctor it based on the person I was talking to. And then what happened? I just started blind copying my husband on all the emails back to supporters, fans that reached out. And then we were like, we need to just write a book, Life of a Triathlete. Now that was many years ago. The I, I could write a whole other volume on it. I could have wrote, wrote a book on pregnancy in triathlon or in sport. I could write a business book, which my husband started. Um, but listen, there's a period, on, there's a chapter on periods. There's a chapter on what I eat outside of training and such. And uh, the things I've done right, the things I've done wrong, uh, a, a litany of things that will help people that was my goal to help people in the sport because it doesn't come naturally. Like you, it just doesn't, it's a, it's a hard sport to get into. And then it's a hard sport to maintain. Well, you have done an unbelievable job doing both of them. Um, outside of that being very, very successful and winning, I don't know of, of many triathletes in the world that have won 11 times a full Ironmans, but it was an incredible career and a career that's still blossoming and growing. Um, and here at the Velocity you know, Podcast, we really want to, I want to try to grab some of that knowledge uh, of, of 75 triathlons, Ironman triathlons, and, and help our listeners um, maybe not make some of the mistakes you've made, but also learn from some of the things you've done right. And I want to start by kind of talking about the season that's about to happen, 2022. Um, and just going to start with uh, some simple questions like, what's your big event goal for the year? Or do you have several events that you're peaking for? Or do you have one big one that you focus on? Because there's a lot of triathletes that may want to do more than one event. Is it possible? And in your position, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny you said, I've never, when I said, you know, real balanced person, I can race. If I decide to race an Ironman in two weeks, I want to be ready. Okay. That doesn't mean I, I just, the way that we've already always trained. And the reason I got the coach I did so long ago is because I was working full time. There was only like a, a 12 to 14 hour window. And that was at most. And I didn't even have my son back then. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I just really believe that each workout needs to have a purpose and I'm not a put your eggs, all your eggs in one basket type of person. Honestly, I think that's one of the things I've done wrong though in my career is not doing that, being too balanced, to, to be honest. Um, maybe at that time is, yeah, I would go out and have, you know, I don't need five glasses of wine a night, but I'm very balanced with my diet. If I, if it's pizza night with the girls, I'm going to pizza night. And maybe I think about that a lot. I'm like, I, one thing that I know that I don't do right is the second I overanalyze stuff. If I were to be like, Oh, I can't have pizza. I I can't have wine. And I'm not going to, I'm going to omit this. The second I deprive myself of of fun and then I start becoming an unhappy athlete and an unhappy athlete at the start line is not a successful athlete. So, and I've had that before where I focused too much on, on some things like, Oh, I shouldn't do this. And, And then I was, that didn't work. I overanalyzed too much. And then I threw that out the window pretty quick. And I was back to myself in like a hot second, but 
the second I even overanalyze data or what I'm eating or when I'm eating it and all that, that's when I don't do well. And so I've learned a lot about that over the years. On the flip side, though, (laughs) there's about putting, you know, planning a race season is take Kona, for example, in the Ironman world. I mean, Kona, if you qualify and it is a, a huge privilege to qualify. And I respect that finish line so much. I've walked the Queen K far more times than I care to admit, but I'm just saying you, you need to give it this, that the respect it deserves. And that might require you to put all your eggs in one basket and focus a hundred percent into that race. I don't feel like I did. I, I understand. I got seventh. People remind me that you got seventh there when you, that's incredible. That performance would get me like 30th place now. I mean, the competition has risen. I'm just saying to you that coming into 2022, I'm doing things differently in that regard, meaning this is the first time we've had a world championship that is outside of Kona because of COVID and everything. It's now in St. George, Utah on May 7th, 2022. And then it goes back to Kona in October. But we've all qualified now the past two years, and we haven't had a world championship for those two years, you know, so 2020, 2021. So I am, and I never say this, so it's kind of freaky for me to say it for the first time on this podcast, but I'm going all in on that, meaning I told Aaron, I'm like, we we need to get out there early. I got to get used to that altitude. Uh, can you work from there? I mean, it's a family decision. I'm going to take my son out of school. He's four. It's not a big deal. It's only for a few weeks. Uh, so I just need to acclimate there and I need to have my ducks in a row to prepare for that properly. And look, I'm under no delusion of winning. <laughs> to be honest, honestly, Robbie, I'm 43. I'm definitely at the pointy end of my career. These old legs aren't done anytime soon, but I'm racing against people that I remember when I was like 33 to 37, that was like my prime, you know, and I look around and I'm like, oh, there's a wonderfully talented, hardworking 28 year old that crushes it. And then to my right is those 33 to 37 year olds, whatever. I'm just saying, I just want to have a performance that I'm proud of in a, in that type of venue. I've been very successful. Thankfully we have team MBK cause I'm just the technician uh, at St. George and it's finally out of Kona, which Kona seems to be my nemesis with that saltwater swim. So I'm just trying to be proud of that, uh, of a performance. So I need to go all in for it. And where, if I can cross that finish line, feeling like I gave it all I have, I had my best time I've ever had. And that places me 10th. Awesome. That's great for me, to be honest. You'd be surprised though. I think, you know, there, whenever there's a younger crew coming up, You've been doing this for 20 years, yeah. Um, successfully for more than 20 years. You started in 2000, and, and it's 2000, yeah, 22 here. Yeah. Wow, that happened quick, didn't it? So 22 years, you've been been basically performing at a really high level, and in those 22 years, so much experience is 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 flown into that brain, right? And I often think that that balance that you talked about, the ability to also enjoy your life and be happy as yep. well as be a successful athlete. Yeah. That takes years to understand. We've all over-rotated both ways, right? And you find where your balance point is. And I think you right. see a lot of people come up for a short period of time that are super laser focused and they use all of their discipline yep. and they spiral out of control and they're not in the sport for more than four or five years. Sure, they had a couple of good years of a high run because we can tolerate pretty much anything for a short period of time. But to me, 
the real legends in this sport are people like yourselves that were able to perform at a really high level for not one year, not five years, not 10 years, but 20 years. And to me, that requires that balance, that requires that being enjoying the process and enjoying what you're actually doing. And that's sometimes hard to do when you're so, so tight with your tolerances. Right. And someone like an Andy Potts, he's uh, he's actually a year older than me. Yeah. No, but he's thriving. It's also because we know our bodies and we know what works for us and, and training 40 hours a week, it, that's not the right solution. And I'm, I watch right now, 25 year olds doing 45, 50 hours a week. And I, I want to see what the, it'll be interesting for me to see. I'm not knocking what they're doing. They'll be successful. Like you just said, the next one, two years, but they're going to be, as I said, fit and so tired and burn out. That it won't be fun for them anymore. And the biggest compliment I've ever received probably when I was even 41. And even recently it's like, gosh, Meredith, this was from Bevan Doherty. And he is, he, he had just retired at the time. And he said, you know what? I, he was extremely successful for 20 some years in the sport. And he goes, you know what? I lost the, the passion. I wasn't having fun anymore. And you still, you can tell when you're racing, you still have that passion and desire and you're still having fun doing it. So keep going until you, you don't have that anymore. I didn't have it anymore. He said, and, and I knew it was my time to retire. And that was one of the biggest compliments someone could have ever given me because I do, I love the hard work. It's hard. Is it harder as I had a kid? hundred um, percent. But you find that soft spot, that sweet spot of the balance part. Sometimes I think, as I said, I'm too balanced and that can get me into trouble. And I, uh, for example, even with um, this whole COVID times and and struggling with long haul COVID now for a year, I've just done something I never do. I never thought I needed to omit gluten, omit dairy. No, it, like do this and this. And I I took the last six weeks minus this past week and I, I've done it because that's going to help me clear out all the issues I've been having. And I needed to take that. I, I don't use the word sacrifice very much ever. This is the, the first time I, it defies my whole balance story. So I felt like I needed to sacrifice a few things in that regard in order to get back to myself feeling wise. So I could get healthy is what I'm saying. And so I feel in the sport, and this goes to everything you're saying that people sacrifice a lot and that's okay. That is okay. If they want to sacrifice enough to be the best for me, it's less important to become a world champion. I just want to be work hard. And if that brings me success and, and I've been thankful that it has, that's all I care about. But it's more important for me to be remembered as Meredith, the human, the person versus Meredith, the Ironman champion or whatever it is. And because honestly, when I'm 70, no one's going to give two craps what I did in sport. And I still want those people in my life. And I want that balanced lifestyle. So it's work for me, but it might mean that I might never become a world champion. And I I'm, I'm at peace with that. I've had a fun career. I've enjoyed everything I've done and I haven't lost any friends. I haven't missed any weddings or important life events for my people. And that's most important to me. Yeah, that's great. I could tell when you when you spent time here at the Velocity Studio, the the importance of relationships, the importance of of teaching others and being a um, a person that helps enhance other people's journeys um, is obviously top on your list. And we and we appreciate you uh, doing some workouts for for Velocity. And I and I just can't wait for more people to discover your workouts because they are inspiring. That the stories that you've told, uh, the the nuggets of knowledge that you gave, and the workouts themselves were terrific. And I want to talk a little bit about your prep for Utah. 
Um, yeah. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to learn from you on kind of how you lay out your season. Um, but just as a quick little teaser, uh, real quickly, I want to know your top three don'ts for training, like your top three things that you know don't work for you and chances are they're probably not gonna work for others. Right. Well, number one is I kind of alluded to it is to not overthink. The second we overthink and overanalyze, we're done. You, you know, whether it's your body or your mind, you know it best. And the second you go down and you're like, well, should I have done this and should I have done that? No, we've already, even if you already did it, Let's not think shoulda, woulda, coulda, that let's think what can I do or what will I do? What will I be able to do going forward? And that's what my whole theme is of not looking back. Um, I also think people in the moment, a lot of athletes, like so my number two one would be when you know, I, I talk a lot in, in my teaching of velocity, I talk about web, web workouts. They're called why even bother workouts? Like really, why even bother doing this? This is actually making things worse. And it's to not, be stubborn in that moment. If you know that this workout that's supposed to be VO2 max or with threshold in between, and you're dying at zone one, pushing through that only does you a disservice. I've done that so many times where I push through, push through, push through, and I, you know, and then I'm cooked for five days after that. So it was like pointless for me to do. And I've learned from that. Like, don't do that. You know, your body best, listen to it and treat it with respect. And then do the, maybe you just call it quits for the day. You're not a quitter. You're not a quitter. It just means you need to do what it takes now. So you can hit that workout later. You go back to your coach and you'd be like, you know what coach? And as a coach myself, I get it. I tried this workout. My rule, by the way, is I always give it 30 minutes at the 30 minute mark. If I'm still feeling as I was the first five minutes, we're done or go to the allotted time easy, whatever ha have you, but you give it 30 minutes. And if you're still cooked, you're done. <laughs> so I've learned that way. And that's what I tell all my athletes. Um, another thing is, and, and I'm not good at this. I'm still not good at this is, is finding the courage to recover. <laughs> like oftentimes I run on adrenaline and then all of a sudden I pop like a champagne cork. And so it's just having the courage to take time you, you need to thrive. And honestly, this could be another reason. Remember I told you about the putting eggs all in one basket. And that means in that regard, that means a lot of triathletes, they're very all or nothing. I'm not an all or nothing person. I'm not going to suddenly have all the beer and pizza and burgers and then, or none, none of it, <laughs> you know, again, my balanced approach. Right. But though, when I say the courage to recover is that uh, those, those triathletes I, I've watched year after year, then in December, they literally do nothing. Like they, they might do that. They're in the nothing phase. They don't train, they eat whatever they want. I think at first I, I used to be like, well, I'm not doing that. And honestly, that's a hundred percent because I don't have the courage to get unfit. Like I don't, I don't, I still to the second, I don't have the courage to get unfit yeah. and rest. Yeah. So that's what I start. That's something I'm still, I know I named that as number three. <laughs> That's something I still struggle oh, with. <laughs> right, like recovery, bottom line. I mean, we yeah, a lot of the other guests that we've had and, and, and coaches have said that's that's this the common theme is is yeah. is understand and respect how important recovery is um yeah. to the process. And I think it's nice to hear that reiterated. Yeah. Um 
when you think about your season, so you have your event. Um, we're, right now, we're basically in the second week in January. Your event is hey. roughly five weeks, five months hey. away. Five months away. Yep. Um, are you currently in the base phase, or what kind of phase of training are you in? And kind of what happens in this phase of your training? Like, I just, I want to understand how you've put the year together to get yourself really ready for, for Utah. And, and, and if I'm hearing this correctly, you generally stay pretty darn fit all year. And then you just might have a little bit of these peaks for these different events because you race a lot. Yeah, and this yeah. is a little bit of a different year where you're, you're really putting a, a lot of energy towards one event in the middle of the year. I'm really curious about how you've laid the year out, what phase you're in now, and kind of sure. what this phase consists of. Yep. Well, so this would be a base phase. I, I did that mostly, though, in, in December. You know, I raced early December, and then I took, you know, again, I, I don't have the courage. Rec- I, I need to move just for my sanity, just w- and that's a lot of swimming. So I was swimming a lot, but I took the recovery away from cycling a little bit and running the pounding strength. I will never give up because that's what prevents my injury at 43. So I used that time in December. Okay. And then now we're in January. This has been entirely base phase. Now keep in mind, I do a lot of uh, racing on Zwift. I've also spent the last six weeks doing velocity rides, which I love. And those, that's what's so great. They're one hour. And I feel like that was, oh, I can count that for like three hours. Perfect. You know, like that, if I had velocity PS the last 20 years of my career, I actually might have been told you I would have been world champion. <laughs> so there you go. I love it. it Thank you. A huge, um, just a tight, you know, to touch on that. I mean, velocity is such a huge compliment to your training, right? And and I've said this a lot this week when I taught is that, is it something you need to do every day? No, you'd get, you would get tired, right? But if, if you'd get tired as a triathlete, if you're trying to do all this running, but man, if, if, and I will now, and that's what, to speak to your leading up to St. George. Now I have this huge resource and cycling platform to complement my training into St. George. And because I'm an intensity trainer, remember I said every workout has a purpose. So I will know, but you know, with my coaches and such, I have, a, I am so fortunate. I have a run coach and I have a um, cycling coach and they know me so well. They've been with me a long time and They've been on the platform. They understand it. They know what type of workouts I need to do. They know my numbers. And so I can use it to complement my training into St. George, knowing that, all right, I'm going to get that, that longer ride in on the weekends. But man, during the week, I've got all these hot spots to do for intensity. Because for me, you know what tires me out? Going on a five-hour ride at 100 watts. You know what doesn't tire me out? Doing an hour velocity ride at an average watts of, I don't know, 220. Doesn't tire me. That's great for my fitness. And that makes it so when I do need to go ride for four and a half hours in an Ironman, I am like fine-tuned and fit. Let me make sure I say that doesn't mean you don't have to put in the longer rides sometimes. I just mean, I don't need to do that three times a week. You know, I have this yep. to do. So that's, and I've always been like that. And that's what I mean. When velocity came into my world, I was like, this is what we've, you know, someone, an athlete like me has been searching for, <laughs> for decades, literally. So, um, I, in that build up to, uh, St. George, I'm going to be using velocity to highlight all those things coupled with the run, the swim and the strength. And I'm really looking forward to that because it'll be new and different. And I think intensity helps me shine more so than volume. 
So if you're if you're doing, let's just say a 15 hour week of training, yeah, yeah. Um, like you know, obviously the, the importance of those long aerobic miles, uh, both running, biking, yeah. and swimming, are super important. Yeah. Just from a rough idea, how much of that 15 hours would you say would would come from intensity? Sure. And then out of let's just say it's five hours, out of that five hours, how is that divided across run, bike, yeah. and swim? So literally on average, and I'm just gonna, I'm like a 20, my sweet spot is 20 to 24 hours a week of training. That's like the perfect amount for me. 20, 21, I could do in my sleep. That's brilliant. Um, Of that time, I would say, you know, I have three runs, let's say, so let's just arbitrarily say three and a half hours of running. That's on the more intense side. Okay. More thresholdy tempo. Okay. I usually, I, I do swim six days a week, but let me tell you, three to four of those swims are so slow, but long, five, six K, yep. because that's my chi, that's my meditation, okay? Yep. The other two, I'm with teenagers who are 14 to 18 years old, and those are my threshold sins. So, okay, three and a half for running, maybe another three for swimming. So there you go, there's six and a half, all right? Then you take the biking. If I'm doing, as of late, I've been doing three velocity classes a week. I'll just use a recent week. I, I Zwift race uh, once or twice a week. So let's say five hours of intensity biking. The rest is all more zone two, zone three. Yep. So there we have it. Maybe of those 20, yeah. uh, you know, maybe it's like 11 hours of it are more thresholdy, tempo-y, whatever, 11, 12 hours. So, and yep. that works because it's small pockets. Yep. Yeah. And, and I would say probably... Maybe it's more like a pyramidal approach where maybe two or three of those two hours are really high end VO2. Maybe if maybe four or five of those hours are kind of sweet spot tempo threshold, and then maybe 12 hours, it sounds like where that's a very balanced uh, pyramidal or or polarized training approach, which I think is 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 one that I I believe in strongly. So that's amazing though. 24 hours, you got a lot of time to spend on your intensity because of the volume is so high. Yeah. Um, and does that change as you get closer to the event, do you start pulling out some of that intensity yeah. and putting in more tempo or how, yeah, how does yeah. the training evolve as you get a little closer to, to St. George? Sure. I'd say as you're getting more like six weeks out to the event, yeah. Do those three to four hour rides become maybe four and a half, five? Sure. With a, but, but then you're putting a little bit of tempo within those five hour rides, your longer runs you know, we do every other week, they become, you know, six, instead of 14 to 16 miles, they creep up to 18 to 20. So yeah, there's little, and then your hours might go up to 26, 27. That's really a lot for me. Now others, and I, and I try not to, you can't compare yourself, um, certainly as I've gotten older, but I mean, they're, they're doing 30 hours probably now. They also have, don't, might not have any responsibilities. They just, that's what they like to do. That works for their body. Okay. Uh, if I did 30 hours a week, I would not be successful. Even at 28, when I was in my prime, 35, when I was in my prime, I wouldn't have been successful doing that. I feel it, that it takes my, it zaps my energy. And here's why it zaps my energy because when I'm done, I don't have time to be what I want to be Meredith (laughs) with my people. So the intensity has always worked for me, but but leading into St. George, I will do that dreadful word of sacrificing a little bit if I have to. I will listen. I will find the courage to recover. And if I need to creep in a little longer rides, because 112 miles, let's face it, it's a long time, to be honest. I 
could do halves in my sleep. Like that is great. And 20 hours of training a week will get you the best. You're, you're fine for half Ironman training, but 112, man, you need those five hour rides to kind of remember, Oh, this is a long time on the saddle. <laughs> you know, I just relied also on the 70 Ironmans and I still rely as muscle memory. <laughs> That's why I use the intensity to fine tune that muscle memory. These legs already hopefully have in them, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. So you, so you extend out the bikes a little bit more, maybe you do a little bit more, uh, you know, intensity race intensity type stuff. Um, you know, what, one of my, th- one of my, my, my big questions is what are a couple of key metrics that you're looking at to see where your fitness is at? Are you looking at average power for these rides? Are you looking at a heart rate to power ratio? Are there some things maybe pace per hundred in the pool? Like what are some key metrics that you look at to know, wow, I'm really coming on to my form here. I'm starting to feel stronger. Um, and what are those metrics that, 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 that tell you these things? Right. I really look at on the bike. I really, I I'm into the Watts. Okay. I've, I've come to learn. I come to understand heart rate but I don't want to do, because I do Watts in my training, I don't want to do heart rate when I'm racing, you know? So I know my sweet spot with Watts. If I, and I, and I don't mind if I do, I know that at my life, if I did 220 Watts for four and a half hours uh, in an Ironman, that's going to get me where I need to be. Okay. I've done it before many times. And I've had, that's, that's my soft spot Two can go as low as 215 with the weather as high as 223. I know in my half Ironman, especially now to keep up with these girls, I need to be at 235 plus, you know, for whatever, 220. And I also know, now this is funny, if you would have talked to me 10 years ago, these paces would be different. But what's so funny, I'm getting older, but my paces have gotten faster because I'm trying to keep up with these youngins, you know what I mean? Who are crushing it. But yeah, I, I do. I do certain sets. I have certain sets in each that I've done 20 years in each, you know, swim in bike and run that I've done. And I test myself on that. So like, if I'm not running a six minute pace for 13.1 miles, I'm not going to run a one. I need to run a sub uh, 120. And in an Ironman, the new black is you have to run sub three hours. I can't get it to this day, 302, 304, 303. So I'm striving before I retire in this world to just do 259.59, you know? And I'm I'm prepared for that. And I, I do my longer threshold runs, like ready for that. And then it's just can't, haven't been able to do it yet. <laughs> but people, girls are running 250. <laughs> it's insane. It's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. And that's off the bike, right? That's, that's not off cold. The, yeah, that's just not like an open marathon. That's off the bike. My swimming never changes. Uh, if anything, I'd have to bring my volume down leading up to a race in swimming. I do a lot of fluff swimming today. Since I just taught eight velocity classes, I swam nine K straight. Literally it was two hours. I just, I didn't even think it's my meditation, Robbie. I just went up and down, up and down. I don't even remember swimming. That's why my eyes are. Yeah. But that really helps. I think that long two hour swim aerobically, your fat burning metabolism, all these great things are happening during that, that, that nine kilometer swim that although it might not feel like you're working that hard. I I mean, you know, for a fact that that's what gets you fit. That's what teaches that aerobic engine to really, really be efficient. So but I need to do that on the bike, Robbie. I think if I did more of those easier rides on the bike, then it would highlight my velocity rides and intensity rides a little better. So that was one thing. Yeah. Leading up into St. George is just go out on those 
100 watt rides, 150 watt longer rides, just yep. like I did in the water today. Uh, so I'm, that's one thing I'll be doing leading up to St. George um, as the longer rides increase. Yeah. And, and then periodically, obviously throughout the, 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 your preparation, will you do anything to test your progress yeah, uh, yeah. will you have like test events or will you have like a, a flat out half marathon? Will you do some things to kind of give you an idea of where your progress is across all three sports and maybe how to steer your training in one direction or the other based on that testing? Right. So in February, I was going to be doing a, and I'm still looking at the right date. I loved racing a, an open marathon is too much to race when you're preparing, especially at 43, because you but a hat again, going back to our intensity thing, me me seeing how I do in a 13.1 open half marathon, that's gonna see how fit I'm getting in the run. And so I'm I am, I have been searching for like a March, April, March, March is a good month leading into St. George to probably do that and see. In the swim, I just have a test set that I've done. It's funny. I brought it into velocity on the bike. It's the, it's the everything ends and this will too. I do that set once a week and I know if I'm fit or not, if I can hit the paces that I should be able to hit. Um, and then I typically would never not race before St. George. I would always race a half or um, there's Challenge Miami, which is on the speedway. I'm just not sure if there's going to be any races, but I'd love to find like blow out the cobwebs, as they say, I'd love to find a half Ironman prior to see where my fitness is at. Then you can take a bird's eye view on that and be like, all right, what do we need to do better the next five weeks leading into St. George? Um, but I, I prefer really, I could get by on that by just doing an, uh, the swim set and open half marathon, and then maybe doing a, at, from home, like a swim bike run. So a, a at home triathlon where you, are doing a short version of all three, because that's what gets you. You need to be able to bike off the swim. You need to be able to run off the bike. And that's another thing I'll be doing a lot. Every bike I do will have even a mile run off the bike just to get your legs used to that, okay? So all those little things make the big things happen. So we could just keep fine tuning, you know? <laughs> and, and, and as you get a little closer to this event, you said you're gonna go out to St. George early. Yeah. Um, do you have kind of a plan of attack, like that three weeks before the event, how much time you're going to spend acclimating? Are you going to spend a lot of time on the course? Like talk about that final, I think people do a decent job of building their base. I think they get a little bit off of their, yeah. their, their, their direction when they start to incorporate the intensity like you have, because everybody right. responds to it in a different way. And some people need more recovery than others. And I feel right. like they people start to make some mistakes kind of in that, that right. meaty phase. But I really think they start to make mistakes, you know, three weeks leading up to the event, right. uh, especially when they're trying to perform at, a, at their highest level and not just finish the event. Talk sure. about what people can do or what you're going to do, actually, not yeah. even what other people can do, what yeah. you're going to do those three weeks leading up to St. George and how you're going to kind of put that finishing touch on your performance. Yeah. Well, and I've, I have done this course so much that I do know it like the back of my hand. Oh, there's been a few changes and such. And I, I'm. I can be like a hamster on a cage. I want to know that course, like the back of my hand. So I, if I have to write it every day, not the whole course, but if I have to write parts of it leading the three weeks leading in and just, there's a big climb in it called snow Canyon. And if I have to do that climb, I don't need to go explore. I love St. George. I know I need to know this course again, eggs in one basket. So 
my prep comes from having good visualization, having good pre-race rides, workouts, intensity, leading up to this race. So when I get in the race, I'm like, remember that day I climbed Snow Canyon at 280 watts. Okay, yeah, you got to do that right now. <laughs> so like, no, like I want to know the course, like the back of my hand so that when I remember it in the race, I remember all that I did in the training leading up to it. Swimming out at, at um, Sand Hollow, that, that will do a lot for me because I typically have a superstition of never going into the water before the race. And I've learned as I've gotten older, get into the water, Meredith, you're fine. And just that is also beautiful. And I'm going to swim that course at some point leading up to it. And then race day, I'll be like, remember, I'll remember what I did in the training. And oftentimes we don't have that luxury to do. Even like if I go to travel to Europe or whatever, you're not going to get there three weeks prior. It's a long way from home. This is a lot easier in that regard. Um, so I just want to take the bull by the horns and, and, and give that a, a try run on the course. It's the hardest run course on the circuit and remember those Hills, right? Do a hill hill repeats on that Hill that we have to do for 26.2 miles. So, um, I think that's going to be a huge value add for me. Um, just really knowing the course, even though I know it just practicing on it, practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> you try some different pacing strategies where I know snow Canyon is a big component. I know there's a yeah. big, long downhill Will you kind of think about, hey, I'm going to try the hill at 270 and then yep. the descent a little bit less and, and try yep. to find what works the best, not only from a from mm-hmm. a from a results or pure speed perspective, sure. but also from a standpoint of being able to run with fresh legs after the bike. So will right. you experiment with pacing strategy and bike right. setup and, and gearing and different things like that? Or you yeah. kind of have that figured out. It's just a matter of doing the same thing over and just dialing All that right. in. Well, and if you were asking enough, there's obviously a huge difference in a half versus a full and a half, there's no pacing anymore. You just go for broke. And if you, you pop, you pop, but in, in Ironman, it's such a long day that you need to have a pacing strategy. That said, when you just said snow Canyon and remember the story I told you when I did, I did St. George as the half a week after I had done a full Ironman. And I knew the girls would outrun me. And this could be the same case in the full, if they're going to run a 250, that I might have to take a risk. I would take a risk, let's say. And I took that risk in that half Ironman. I went up Snow Canyon as hard as I could for two reasons. One, I knew they could outrun me because of my fitness then. Um, And two, we have a big descent coming down Snow Canyon. That's another thing I'd want to practice because I'm not a very technical rider at all. Uh, I knew that they would gain time back on me on the descent because I'm more like wimpy and they like get narrow and they know what they're doing. So it was the first time though in my career, I I went as hard as I could like up there. And we all started together. I wouldn't say six of us, we started it together. And I just, I just went, I I remember to this day, it was probably my most proudest moment because I'd never done this. And this was the risk. It was worth it. I looked back and I, and I was like, Oh my goodness, I dropped them. <laughs> it was the only time I've ever done that. And that was the that was also the um baby doping that helped me with that. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you take more risk on the downhill? I mean, is there something you can maybe learn from doing it doing it over and over again where you can get totally. a little bit more comfortable? That downhill is bearable because it's no no like turns. I mean, you can right. see where you're going. So you're going 50 miles per hour, let's say but you can see where you're going. So I did, I did. I was like, come on, Meredith, just, just 
at least get down a little bit and don't use your brakes. How about that? That was, that was a, that was a thing. Don't use your brakes. Even if you have to come up on your bars, just don't use your brakes. So no, in all seriousness, going there and practicing that descent over and over again, even if it's just three, four, five times before yep. that will be a huge value out. Because if you just come into the race fresh and you haven't done it for a while, you're like, this is as hard as I remember it years ago, but if it's fresh, it's much better. And I mean, I think, I think what people don't realize is that the mental stress and strain of going 50 miles an hour in a course that you really don't know, I mean, just even if you go the same pace, but you're calmer because you know how to respond and, and all the turns and exactly what's going to happen, that right. calmness really saves energy. It really it allows you to, be, to use energy when it's necessary. And I think a lot of the experience that you have in a lot of those 22 years, what that gives you is an efficiency and an economy to be calm. Uh, and I think you save a lot of energy that way, but I'm excited. The fact that you're going to do one event without a lot of racing it, you, yeah, you know, yeah. I always think that we, we learn things about, and even at 50 years of age, I've done thousands of bike races. I'm still learning things all the time and I'm still not afraid to experiment. And I think being curious and, and, and trying new things, even if it's serendipitous, even if it's the fact that you were forced into no racing because of COVID and all of a sudden you're doing one big race and you find yourself fresh and just better than ever. Um, I always think, I always look to try to find those potential positives that will happen. And I think you do the exact same thing, but before I let you go here, I really want to ask you about, um, your velocity experience a little bit. Yeah. And, and, what I think is really exciting for all the listeners of this podcast, for all the Velocity citizens, is the fact that they can actually do your like key prep workouts for Ironman at the Velocity Studio, learning from you and the importance of the nuance, not just doing the workouts. You can write these workouts on a piece of paper and give them to somebody, right. but the fact right. that they can actually do the workout not only as you prescribe, but really as you want them to, because of the instruction, talk about the value of that and how, it, I mean, for me, I'm so fired up and so honored that you actually came in and did eight workouts for us. And I hopefully you'll do a heck of a lot more. Yes. Um, but the importance of actually not just doing a workout, but doing a workout right and learning when you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Velocity, I want to say has been, I'm learning on velocity, even though I'm, I've taught on the platform now, and I hope to teach more on the platform. I learned, I've spent this last six weeks learning every time from your class, from Adam Meredith, Heather, everyone. I've taken all the classes. I was like trolling everything. And I've learned how to become, I'll use RPM for an example. And I, I say this a lot, it's the, the non-erg mode, the learning in the moment and the learning to feel the road. I've learned that, but I've mostly learned also RPM is making us go out of our comfort zone. And it, cause you know, when an instructor is guiding you to, all right, guys, we are going to, we are going to go to 90 plus and then the compliance and then just learning how to ride your bike in that regard and finding the sweet spot with the power band. That's all good stuff. And again, there's going to be some days we're wet. Why even bother? We can't do it. I can't do yeah. what Robbie's asked me to do on this. And I said that in my classes, if you're having a web day and you're not even in the power band, don't stress because we have velocity. We do. And this is truth. And this is how I am as an athlete. We want you to have fun and finish what you start. Okay. And so that's really important is, is not failing. And so I have learned too. I, I even said in my classes, it took me six to eight classes, me just to like, not going too easy or going too hard. I was failing in that regard. And then once I got the rhythm and the, the vibe, I was like, Oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. And so 
just having, whether you're on demand or live, just having the instructor right in front of you, guiding you through and instructing you through the highs and the lows and the hard and the easy of the ride is huge. Uh, a huge value add. And I'm, I'm still going to be taking tons of classes, whether I, and, and teach more too, because we all have a different vibe and a different way and a different um, kind of way to sprinkle power into a workout and ideas. And so it's new and it's fresh and it's fun. And so that's been a huge value add for me with Velocity. Well, I really, really appreciate um, you, you coming to uh, Highland Park, Illinois, and spending some time here in our studio. It was it was great to meet your husband, Aaron. Um, I wish you the best of luck with Mac. I look forward to seeing you back here, or potentially yeah. maybe set something up at your house in Ohio and get you sorted out there. But um, I will be following you and thinking about you as your journey kind of unfolds here uh, for Utah. Um, I, I just 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 from a, a personal, um, you know, I, I've I've spent a lot of time around professional cyclists and triathletes, and you know, your authenticity, um, your your passion for helping others really is is special, and and we are so grateful that uh, you not only came on this podcast, but uh, you're a guest instructor on Velocity. So thank you so much. Best thank of you, luck. Thank you, Robbie. Means a lot to me. I really yeah. appreciate it. That's all. You know, I want to be as a human. So thank you. And I too hope to get to teach a lot more and just have a, a little velocity family. Keep growing. Thank you so much, Meredith. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. So